Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Yeah. The Pacers clearly won this trade. And, and to Richard's point, uh, I know it's a point of contention with Tyrese. They, they said his jump shot wouldn't translate. You know, he's at, he's at just under 42% from three on a pretty high volume uh, in two seasons. I think the sample size is large enough to say that his jumper translate. To me, he's, he's the guy that makes the right play every time. He gives you playmaking. He gives you shot making. He moves the ball and he defends. And by the way, he loves basketball. Like, find me another 21-year-old guard that's doing that right now. There's not many of them out there. I do not understand this trade if I'm the Kings. I do not understand it. I think. Well, Pacer Nation, we have got a lot to talk about today as the Indiana Pacers have made a blockbuster deal sending DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Jeremy Lamb, I'm just kidding, and Justin Holliday, along with a 2027 second-round pick to the Kings. For Tristan Thompson, Buddy Heald, and the coveted Tyrese Halliburton Focci, big blockbuster move today as the Pacers continue to rebuild this roster. Alex, I'm practicing wearing my sunglasses right now in the dark because the future is bright, all right? We have a true point guard now. Now, look, I'm going to be honest. When I first got details of the trade, I felt a little sick to my stomach that we traded Sabonis. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. A little? I mean, I thought to my look, I love Sabonis, and I probably love him more than the average fan. But at the same point, you tweeted it out. At the end of the day, I am a Pacer fan, not a Sabonis fan, and I want to do what's best for the franchise. And this move that happened here today is what's best for the franchise because, one, we're not ready to win. Uh, that Halliburton contract right now is unbelievable. Woj even reported a player that no one thought was even on the table. I mean, you and I came up with Kings mock trades. We had Davion Mitchell in one of them. We had Fox in one of them. We didn't even think Halliburton was was available. So mm-hmm. unbelievable job over there. Uh, Buddy Heald looked like, yeah, I think everybody in the league's probably soured on Heald a little bit, but the contract isn't bad. If Carlisle wants to keep him around, He's a good three-point shooter, uh, but he could also be flipped. And at this point, we really didn't know if Sabonis was going to stay with the Pacers uh, you know, past the, his contract ending. So yeah. I'd say it's, it's a win for the franchise today. Yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of things to start off here with. And I know you said you're a big Sabonis fan. I think everyone knows I'm a big Sabonis fan, too. I don't know who the bigger Sabonis fan is between the two of us, but I know we both really liked him and really coveted him as a long-term piece. And everything we had been hearing – in reports is what we were talking about was, hey, you know, it, it seems like it's going to be very hard to move Sabonis for the Pacers unless they get something they really love. And I don't think anybody saw this deal happening with the Kings. The Pacers themselves, according to Woj, they were stunned that Halliburton could be had for DeMontis Sabonis trade. Now, look, looking at this Kings side of things, I'm a little bit confused on what they're doing. They, they got rid of Buddy Heald probably their best shooter on the team. Now they're going to play two non-shooters 
and Mitchell and Fox together. I think Mitchell's gotten better over the year, but still he's someone that came into the league not being a great shooter. And then we know Sabonis is a, not a great three-point shooter. He's improved, but not great. So they're an interesting team. But for me, looking at this, getting Tyrese Halliburton, a 21-year-old guard who was determined to help restore the Sacramento franchise, for them to give up on him in year two was the most shocking thing that I have ever seen yeah, not really shocking with the so Kings, Kings anyway. So it's Kings. so Kings, but it's just so stupid. Like I, I mean, I'm not sitting here like trying to downplay how great of a player Sabonis is because if you're looking at all these players right now, I would say currently Sabonis is the best player out of everybody that got traded today. However, the upside of Tyrese Halliburton and putting him in with this Pacers roster, it is just a huge upgrade for this Indiana team moving forward because now we talked about it trading Levert we actually see some kind of direction they're going in when they got off Jeremy Lamb DeMontis Bonus and Justin Holiday, and they brought back you know Tyrese Halliburton Buddy Hill's great contract and then the expiring and Thompson which will be nothing he'll be bought out or waived or potentially traded if there's something they can get for him I don't think that's going to happen but no. they're rebuilding they're rebuilding with young players. That's what they're trying to do is get their core of young players together moving forward. And so, you know, Sabonis, you know, he was the Pacers' best chip that they had to, to trade, and they got the Kings' best chip. And they got a guy that's five or four years younger than him who's on a rookie contract, so they'll have two more years of that rookie contract after this season, plus that extension when he's a restricted free agent. So you're talking – or restricted free agent – I know I'm rambling, but that's like close to seven years now you could have of Tyrese Halliburton compared to the Sabonis uh, rest of this year plus two more. It's very possible. Look, point guards like Tyrese Halliburton at this point in their career do not become available. They don't. The contract is amazing. And this is a guy that, look, we asked for, hey, we need a true point guard. How can we get a true point guard? They don't grow on trees. Halliburton, to me, checks those boxes as, like, this is a player right now that can make others around him better, and it's not like, okay, then what's the flaw? I don't know what the flaw is because he can shoot too. I mean, Halliburton is a guy that in both seasons, you know, his rookie year and, and this year, shot over 40% from three. So he's a career 41% shooter from three. Uh, overall, you know, 46.5% from the field. I just feel like he's only getting better and better. You got to also think how hard it must have been for him to really be taking on full point guard duties when you have a guy like Darren Fox who needs the ball in his hand as well, more of a scorer. So I think right over here, look, short term, he can learn from Brogdon, but the writing is on the wall that the Pacers are going to have to move Brogdon in the offseason. Uh, and, and free up, I love the idea of a backcourt of Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte. I feel like now those are two players you can sell yourselves on as like we're going in the right direction. Also having guys like Isaiah Jackson over there. Uh, I mean, this is like a, a young trio that can build together. Then we didn't even talk about the draft picks that we have coming in. The Pacers have so much flexibility over here. The $10.5 yeah. million trade exception they created in this deal. You know, the, the, the extra cap room from the, the Levert and Rubio deal. And then just the draft assets. I mean, there are so many different things to work with. And we still have two days to go before the deadline. So I don't know if the Pacers are done making moves. I don't think they are. This could be a, everything is up for grabs, but I'm going to put the ball on your court. Do you think the Pacers are done making moves outside of like buying out Tristan Thompson? No, I think there's still potential that you could see Torrey Craig move. There's been some rumblings today about TJ Warren's future, um, which would make some sense because, it would. you know, as much as we liked him in the bubble, 
this team is rebuilding, and I don't think he fits the long-term plans. And I think that you bring up a great question about Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I think that there is a chance that Brogdon and Halliburton could play well together. I think, you know, you're you're pinpointing in Halliburton as this true point guard, but I also think he can play off ball too. I, I think could. that he's done that so much already with De'Aaron Fox that he can be a combo guard. Um, but but I want to read this out here from Kirk, Skol- uh, Kirk Goldsberry on Twitter. He said five Halliburton notes. So number one, 93 players have tried at least 300 jumpers this year. Halliburton ranks sixth in efficiency at 58.7, an efficient field goal percentage. Two, 49 players have tried at least 100 off-the-dribble threes. He's second in three-point percentage at 40.6. Three, he makes 42.6% of his catch-and-shoot threes. Fourth, he's 11th in assist. And five, he's only 21 years old. Now, look, I know we traded some bonus, but those two together would have been a really fun pairing. Uh, I think because of all these numbers here that you're looking at because of how uh, effective Sabonis is offensively. But with that being said, we talk about Brogdon's future. What about McConnell's future? I mean, this to me, uh, I have no idea what direction the Pacers are going in in terms of what they're going to do with the vets. They are probably not going to trade by the deadline. Um, We got some win today that Turner is going to be, you know, given that opportunity to be the solo center. We'll see how that translate into the offseason if they still feel that way going into 2022 2023 but you know there's a lot of question marks here and um i I mean if you want to dive into that with mcconnell i'd be interested to hear your thoughts yeah look i don't know if there's going to be room for you know mcconnell brogdon halliburton duarte like in in that area i mean i know jaden ivy but but hey who knows I mean, so here's the thing. It gets to a point where it's going to be hard to move McConnell at this deadline when he's probably out for the year. I don't know who's taking on that contract right now. You come draft time when McConnell's healthy, the Pacers might be able to attach a pick to him. Look, I don't think they would have to attach a first-round pick, but maybe it is that Houston pick you know, to, to move McConnell. I don't know. Maybe you take back something else, but it's definitely too much invested in the point guard situation and i love mcconnell nice enough to come on our show great guy good player when he's healthy but now we're going in a different direction and mcconnell does he would be one of the better backup point guards on a contender so you know 21 million dollars moving forward after this it's not a lot of money at all but it's just enough to be a little bit of a burden where we're not going to be able to play as much as you want to play so yeah uh, I, i do think the pacers will have to move on from him brogdon look it also, at this point, Brogdon's got to actually kind of come back and show something that he could be healthy. I don't know what the Pacers are going to do with him. I know they're going to hold him out for a while, but I don't think they'll just shut him down for the rest of the year at this point. But um, I also think if, if Brogdon was to be shut down, I mean, I don't think he's going to have a long line of takers. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over there. But when you mention TJ Warren, look, I said it'd be sad if the Pacers moved Warren for like, you know, a second round pick and just like some salary filler that's expiring. I say that because of what expectations were. This was our leading score two seasons ago. Um, And it just, it just felt like, man, time has that much time gone by since the bubble where this guy's played four games in what, 18 months or so. Yeah. Uh, So it's, it's just sad because we always envisioned that starting five that we never got to see together. And little by little, the, the pieces are being traded off or they're hurt. And at this point, 
something felt real today with Warren that it really felt that he no longer fits in their plans. I feel like I can't justify giving TJ Warren more than like a one year deal uh, because the, we're rebuilding right now. And if he's going to be hurt, you don't want to have really any bad contracts on the books. So we already have Brogdon's. It's not to say that's a bad contract, but injury wise, he's not really, you know, he's not getting any younger. So I just don't think we could really commit money to Warren. It's sad because it sounds like he wants to be here. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I think if Warren wants to be here and they're not able to move him, I think they can still work something out. It's not like it's got to be the end of the era for, for TJ Warren, but it does seem like every sign is heading that direction. And so it'll be interesting to see what they think of O'Shea Brissett, how he fits with this move, team moving forward. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do want to get into a little bit of the stuff that I'm sure people are really intrigued by, and that is why not Turner? Why Sabonis, right? So I'm going to give you three reasons why Indiana traded Sabonis over Turner. Number one, I think we have to start out here, Miles Turner's injury. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, how it was going to drastically impact everything. When we both saw it, we both kind of felt like, okay, uh, this could mean that they're not as active at the deadline. So I don't think, um, you know, teams are still somewhat intrigued by Turner, but, but I do think that it made them – the Pacers have to come down on their, their asking price, and I just don't think that they really wanted to give him up for, for less than what they wanted. And so I think that's number one. Uh, number two, this is a guard-driven league, Fachi. Um, it is. You need good guard play, and the Pacers have really struggled in that area, in my opinion. So Tyrese Halliburton has all the potential that you want and all that you, you think that Rick Carlisle would really like to see. I think Rick Carlisle definitely will value – the, the great play of Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, Buddy Hill is another guy that even if he's not traded, the guy can shoot lights out. So, you know, I, I just think with Halliburton, though, you know, he's going to be eventually become the face of the franchise. In my opinion, he's going to be the best player moving forward. Um, you're you're kind of building around him to a certain degree. Um, but we even talked about it, even with Sabonis. None of us felt comfortable really building around Sabonis. No, we didn't. And we thought he was a second or third option on a, on a good playoff team. So that's number two. And number three, and the most obvious one, you don't get Tyrese Halliburton if you, flop, if you flip Miles Turner in that trade no for DeMontis Sabonis. So Sabonis is a better player. Sabonis is the two-time All-Star. The Kings loved them some DeMontis Sabonis. Look, Sabonis lives out in California during the offseason. His wife likes being out in California. They will both enjoy being out there in the Sunshine State. Miles Turner likes being in Indiana. Miles Turner's from Dallas. So, you know, I'm not even really factoring that into anything, but I'm just saying the price tag for Tyrese Halliburton cost the Pacers, DeMontis Sabonis, and then some salary fillers. So I, I think if you look at it on paper, it almost feels like both teams viewed Halliburton and Sabonis on the same tier. And that's how the deal got done. So, you know, for anybody who thinks, oh, I'm so sad we lost Sabonis. Look, I mean, I get it. He's a he's a he's a fan favorite. I'm a fan, I'm a fan of his. He's one of my favorite players from the Pacers in their past, you know, 10 years, probably. Just enjoy watching him play. But, you know, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, excuse me, I'm a Pacer fan. And uh, this is a great move for this team moving forward. And I absolutely love the direction they're heading. It really is because, you know, you made some great points on Sabonis. Look, we all got to put some respect on Sabonis' name. When Sabonis came over in the Oladipo and Paul George deal, I remember being like, Sabonis? Like, 
Oh, I mean, his dad was good, but like, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't really know. And he got so much better year after year, blossomed into a two-time All-Star, and it was honestly really fun to watch. But like you mentioned, you don't build around Sabonis and hope to be a true contender. It, it, it sounds sad, but I, I think at best, Sabonis is great in that Bosch role of being like the third of a big three on a championship team, something like that. And the Patriots were far from that. I think if he goes over to Sacramento, he can be, you know, you know that that 1A, 1B with, with, with De'Aaron Fox, where it's like he's still very much involved. But I don't I don't think anybody thinks Sacramento is going to win anything. They might so, like the play-in game. They got to compete with the Pelicans. Them, I mean, the pressure on their shoulders to get to the play-in game was yeah. insane. I think this was a panic move of being out of the playoffs for 15, 16 years that they felt that they really needed to say, hey, look, we keep accumulating these younger players. It's not panning out. We got to go for it at some point. This is their version of going for it. But you bring in Tyrese Halliburton over here, this could be the start of something new. I think that he makes people better. He's a good shooter. I think that all of a sudden now they have such flexibility around here that it's not all of a sudden that, hey, we, we got to win within DeMontis's time frame of his contract running out. Now yeah. we're not trying to convince anybody to resign at this point. And I love that. I love the fact that now we can take our time and it's not, hey, we got two years because we knew this Pacers team had a two-year window. And at, at this point, guys like Warren, I don't really think are factoring in the Pacers' decision anymore. Sabonis is obviously gone. Lavert is gone. So at this point, man, we, we, got, we got some good stuff and we still have stuff to work with which is the really exciting thing that at this point, whoever you trade out, whatever you bring in is like a plus now. Extra second round picks, great, we'll take it. Extra cap room, okay, hey, maybe we can bring in a, a another young rotational player. We'll see. But when you mentioned the difference between Turner and Sabonis, we started hearing rumors today that Toronto was interested in Sabo and Turner, but what they were looking to trade was Goran Dragic expiring in a first round pick. Yeah, when not much. Yeah. When you hear Sacramento has Tyrese Halliburton on the table, I'm sorry, but that's a change of plans. We're going another direction, and that's what the Pacers did. Yeah, I mean, and I think one thing we need to look at, too, when you combine both the Cavaliers and the Kings trade to how this Pacers roster is being remade, reshaped, retooled, reformed, whatever you want to call it, and dealing Levert, DeMontis Sabonis, and Jeremy Liam, Indiana easily traded three of their top worst defenders on this roster. Oh, yeah. You know, and what did they get back? They got back basically Halliburton and Heald with a bunch of picks. And so Heald, obviously, not a great defender, but Tyrese Halliburton is. And the Pacers perimeter defense has been complete garbage. So I think that this is a huge pickup for the Pacers and, and improving the defense, let alone by just shedding some of the guys that are terrible at it. Like, you know, even if Sabonis is playing the five, like he's got short arms. He doesn't have the ability to really protect the rim like Turner, like even Isaiah Jackson, even Goga, right? So all these players are able to do that. So, you know, I, I think that that's a big thing that played a factor in this if you're looking at how Carlisle wants to play. And then number two, in dealing Domas and Levert and getting back Hield and Halliburton, you got what, rid of two of your worst shooters on the team. Um, you know, even though we saw Sabonis was improving, we saw Levert could be streaky from three, they're not good three-point shooters. I read you the stats from, from Kirk Goldsberry about Halliburton's three-point success. Buddy Hield is known for his three-point shooting. The Pacers 
desperately needed more three-point shooting. Lamb and Holiday were not bad three-point shooters. They were very, you know, average or above average. But Halliburton and, and Heald are some of the top three-point shooters in the league. So this, to me, screams you got better on defense and you got better three-point shooting. You got younger, and you still have a lot of flexibility moving forward. Bang, 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 bang. I mean, you're talking about a grand slam here, Fachi, in terms of improving your assets overall. I really think so, and I really do think that the players that they're bringing in or the flexibility is enabling Rick to play the way that he wants to play. I saw there was a report from Jake Fisher, Bleach Report, who said that the Mavericks were actually at the 11th hour of a Levert deal where they were offering Tim Hardaway Jr. in the deal. And to tell you the truth, I love this deal way better than the one that we got when we traded Levert because Tim Hardaway Jr. just signed a fresh four-year deal over there where he's making more money than Buddy Heald. We're getting the three-point shooting that, that we would have gotten if we had taken on Tim Hardaway Jr., but for far less money, less years. Um, and I, I think at this point, just creating cap flexibility in the Levert deal, I think, was huge. I know there's yeah. a lot of people clowning the pacers saying, what are you going to do with that money? Well, you know what? We have options now. We could acquire a, a trade. I mean, look how the Pacers got TJ Warren in the first place. Cash. Just they had the cash. They had the room to absorb Warren's contract, and they got the 32nd overall pick with it. Look, the Pacers are now in a very interesting spot where, you know, we're, we're in a luxury of being able to take on contracts and accumulate these picks, and we'll see what they do with the picks in the offseason. So everything that we're doing right now is like a to-be-continued moving forward, and I love that fact. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting if you look at this depth chart of this roster. There's not a – once again, there's still a hole at the four um, in terms of the Pacers needing a power forward. So if they can get lucky and, and, and hit on the draft pick that they have and potentially get a, like a Jabari Smith or a Paulo Boncaro, I mean, I'm, you're talking about some guys that could really step in and help this team grow right away. But looking at potential assets to be moved, I made a list of them, Fachi, so – We'll just go through them real quick. I put a question mark on a couple of them, but we got Rubio's expiring. We got Warren's expiring and Tristan Thompson's expiring. Um, I'm assuming Thompson's bought out if he's not able to be moved for any type of small deal. So other than that, you've got Buddy Heald, like we've talked about, older veteran kind of guy that can shoot the three and is a good scorer. Teams could be hungry for him, but that could be more of an offseason move. Um, Torrey Craig, I think he could still be moved by the deadline. I think Goga could be moved by the deadline still. Uh, if a team wants to take a chance on him. And then guys that I see potentially in the offseason, McConnell, Brogdon, and Turner, just potentially on the move. I wouldn't say that I'm like banking on any of them to be like, oh, they got to get out of here. I think Brogdon would be the most likely out of those three. But, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see how they go about it. But those to me are the most, you know, that's a lot of assets. And I didn't even include the picks. So, you know, I'm just in terms of players you can move or contracts you can move, a lot still to be done here with this roster. No, there really is. Torrey Craig is the guy that I turn my attention to next because Torrey Craig fits a lot of teams, specifically like the Los Angeles Lakers that, that you know, we thought might have interest in Justin Holiday. I feel like Torrey Craig is, you know, on a, a very affordable deal, just one year left. He's making like, it's like roughly like $6 million. So I feel like Craig can definitely be had for, you know, a player in a second round pick, like the player doesn't even need to be substantial at all, but you know, it could be someone who's expiring. Like, like, Oh, I don't even want to say like, dare I say like a Kendrick Nunn who, you know, probably doesn't play in Indiana the following year, but at the same point, the Pacers still clear more space out. They get a, they get a second round pick. So 
He could be someone I turn my attention to, but you know, some of the players that you mentioned, Tristan Thompson, Ricky Rubio, I don't think they're ever going to wear a Pacer jersey. Um, I think that Thompson is someone that, I mean, look, if he's not moved, which I, I don't think he really has any value, I, I do think that he's going to be bought out and, and go to like, you know, one of those contending teams at some point. But it, it's just very interesting. The next next couple of days are going to be, you know, keeping their eyes and ears open to see what else is out there. But moving forward for the rest of the season, everything feels like an audition. Like, who's going to be our, our starting power forward? This, this. And in a draft class where there is a lot of, like, great power forward talent, it's nice to know that, hey, look, we're not still de- still dealing with both bigs. So there's options. I love yeah. to see Isaiah Jackson. I want to say that. But mm-hmm. he fits into this team regardless moving forward. If you don't, I don't think you pass up a super, super talented power forward if they're available in the draft just because you have Isaiah Jackson. Well, I think he's a center long-term anyway. Um, yeah. I don't see him as a power forward. I mean, there's times you might be able to see him and Miles out there together. But, you know, I'm just I'm just curious to see how this all works out moving forward. I mean, Woj said that Miles was ecstatic to play with Tyrese Halliburton. So we'll, we'll have to see how Turner fits in. I, I think there's a chance that he could. But, you know, being the solo center, I don't think it will matter as much to him in terms of touches and and that kind of stuff, as long as he's finishing games, I think that was a big part of the reason he was so frustrated and vocally voicing those frustrations. So, you know, the Pacers definitely got much more modern with this, with this shakeup that they did. They got rid of the double bigs, which is just something that hasn't ever really shown to work outside of Cleveland this year um, in the, in the Eastern conference. So, or in the NBA, so to say, but Rick Carlisle has made a quote, on this deal, the Pacers play tonight in Atlanta. They will only have eight available players for this game. We were recording this before the game, so you won't get any game reaction from us on this podcast. But uh, from Tony East, he said there was a major trade. Uh, or Yeah, there was a major trade. Three great people and tremendous players are leaving the Pacers organization. Sabonis has been amazing to work with the last few months. So it's agreed to in principle, but it has not been officially made. So I'm excited to see what the rest of the front office has to say and if they'll be willing to have these players come in for a press conference so we can get to know them a little bit better. But, you know, if I actually just tie a bow on this before we bring on Keith Smith to talk about some other things, um, I am just incredibly shocked by this move. I think that nobody saw it coming. And the Pacers, once again, Kevin Pritchard, uh, he, he just wins trades, Foch. I don't know how they do it, but Kevin Pritchard is always pulling, you know, stuff out of his hat, and it's it always seems to work. And so moving forward, if the Pacers continue to have these trade assets, I, I think Kevin Pritchard is going to make it work, and uh, I would expect more activity to happen on draft day um, if we do not make any more moves before the deadline. Alex, at some point I'm going to need you to put those Photoshop skills to use because I need to see Kevin Pritchard in one of those magician top hats because that thing is deep. That man is <laughs> pulling into that hat. Once again, you said it. I don't know how he does it. And we as a fan base have been very frustrated this year. We have. People have been slandering Pritchard all year. But you know what? He's pulled off back-to-back trades that put this franchise in a very good spot moving forward. He's not done yet. We hit on a great rookie draft class. I mean, we really did. The Pacers' moves that they've made over the last, you know, eight months have been absolutely franchise-changing in every way. The last couple years, they basically remained the same for a while. Well, you know what? Changes are coming, and I like where we're going because we've we've talked about Isaiah Jackson for a little bit. 
like Tyrese Halliburton, that's the kind of point guard you want to bring in to get the most out of your big. So, I mean, it, it just, I couldn't be more excited. I finally feel like we have like kind of like another franchise player that you could sink your teeth into and say like, this is our guy. And for the last couple of years, you know, it had been tough. We wanted to do that with Sabonis, but we knew like, hey, this is our guy for now, you know, and, and it's mm-hmm. tough. I mean, that's that's kind of how the revolving door has been open with the Oladipo and Paul George. And, and now I think we got someone that we know is going to be here for a while. And if Halliburton was willing to take on just that massive weight of the Sacramento Kings and, and they're losing, I, I think this guy is going to be very happy in Indiana. Yeah, no, I definitely think that there could be some motivation uh, a chip on his shoulder with Tyrese Halliburton because he was shocked. He said he was shocked the Kings traded him. So, you know, Indiana, it's definitely a little bit different than California. We know that for a fact, but this is going to be a great opportunity for him to be with an organization that I think is going to instantly fall in love with him. So obviously this is a much bigger trade to talk about than the, than the Levert one, because we're getting players back. We're getting, more assets to move back in the future. Uh, you're going to create open roster spots with Tristan Thompson being bought out, potentially trading TJ Warren or potentially waving Ricky Rubio uh, if you want to. Now you're looking at open roster spots if you want to bring in players to look at, or you could save those bird rights and maybe do a sign and trade with Rubio for somebody next year. I mean, there's so many options to look at here, but um, anything else before we bring on Keith Foch? No, I would say, uh, hey, look, let's hear it from an outsider's perspective in Keith Smith because he's always got some great coverage. And, uh, you know, I- I'm always excited to kind of hear what a non-Pacer fan has to say about this because sometimes we're just too ingrained in what's going on over here. So I'm excited to bring on Keith. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll bring on the great Keith Smith from Spot Track right after this. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he's no stranger to you guys. It's the one and only Keith Smith. Keith, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. And so today, everybody knows what we're here to talk about. We talked about it off air. You know, this is a huge trade for the Pacers and the Kings. Jeremy Lamb going to Sacramento. Tristan Thompson coming back to Indiana. Um, There's some other details there. Maybe Justin Holiday and Buddy Hilder involved. But what do you think about this trade, Keith? Yeah, I mean, anytime you can collect veterans like that, you got to do it, right? I mean, that's that's where you're at at this point. But, yeah, no, it's funny. When we were, what was it, a couple days ago when you guys shot me the email and asked, I don't think any of us could have dreamed this is what we'd be talking about today. So, uh, you know, th- thanks to the Pacers and Kings for delivering for us. Absolutely. So, you know, obviously we like to tell a couple jokes on this show. So, you know, we left out the main pieces. You know, DeMontis Sabonis going to Sacramento, Tyrese Halliburton coming over to the Pacers, I mean, Keith, across the league, it and what was even reported, it seemed like Halliburton was not on the table. Were you stunned to see him included in this deal? I, I was. Um, there's a couple things here. L- let me start with this. I think some of the reaction on Twitter, and, and it's Twitter, right? So, I mean, it's the place for reaction, is is just too crazy. I mean, you'd think Damana Sabonis is like a, you know, barely a rotation player that's what it seems like on there (laughs) yeah i mean it's crazy so like that part is being left out too much but for terms of the pacers this is a great get for them i mean if you were kind of drawing up you know what's the 
best player we might be able to get for Sabonis. I don't know that young guard with a ton of upside that's still got two more years after this one of rookie scale contract left is really where you would have gone to, right? I think that's the kind of thing guys like me are like, ah, that's probably a little crazy. You know, that's, you know, you know bring, bring your, uh, you know, aspirations down a little bit. But yeah, I mean, this is great. You know, I, I don't think you could be, uh, you know, happier if you're a Pacers fan today that if you're giving up your the guy who I think is their best player if you're giving him up to get a guy like Tyrese Halliburton you have to be absolutely thrilled yeah no it's definitely a it's a slam dunk trade for a Pacers team that is rebuilding retooling reshaping whatever rewords you want to call it they're definitely changing the look of this team and so looking at the last couple of trades they've made over the last few days obviously getting rid of Karis LeVert for the Ricky Rubio expiring plus some you know, decent picks that could be moved. I mean, um, obviously, we're still a few days away from the trade deadline, so I think there's still potential here for the Pacers roster to uh, be shaken up a little bit more. But in terms of the long-term fit, the the veterans that have been here the longest are Malcolm Brogdon and, and Miles Turner now. What do you think their long-term fit is with this Pacers team as they move forward? Yeah, it's very interesting. I think um, there was a point where it looked like Miles Turner was gone maybe a month ish or so ago. I know he he did that interview with the Athletic where he I, I think he got a little overblown that he was you know being super you know down on Indiana and stuff, but I think he was very clear like hey I'd like a bigger role and those kind of things. And now it looks like he's when he is back he's going to have that bigger role. He's going to kind of have that uh, big man position all to himself. They're they're clearly set up for at a minimum the rest of this season to play a lot of small ball. Uh, you know, around him. And then we'll see, you know, kind of where it goes from there. Brogdon, that becomes a little bit more interesting. I don't know how you really make a backcourt of Halliburton, Brogdon, Heald, and Chris Duarte really work. Now you can play Duarte at the three some, and I think that's what they'll do. But I kind of look at it as you can get away with playing three guys a lot that fit in, fit in uh, two positions because you know, there's plenty of minutes to go around there. Once you factor that fourth guy in, that's where it starts to get a little bit tricky for me. So my guess is one of Brogdon or Heald will probably be on the move at some point, as I know you guys know, but I just got to do my cap nerd stuff and remind everybody, Brogdon can't be traded now. Um, that's the, He's not eligible to be traded before the trade deadline because of when he signed his extension. But my guess is when we get into the draft, start a free agency, you know, he may be on the move and who knows, you know, Heald may not even, you know, we, we may never even see him stop in Indiana. That that could be a guy that they could flip in a subsequent deal because they, their big thing now is they have all sorts of flexibility moving forward that they kind of didn't have a couple of days ago. Absolutely. So it's a great point that you brought up. The Pacers flexibility right now is I mean, it's impressive because they also acquired a $10.5 million trade exception yep. in this deal. Now you're also talking about guys that might not even wear a Pacer jersey. Look, personally, I don't think Tristan Thompson suits up for the Pacers. I think he's probably bought out. But when yep. you mention Buddy Heald, Buddy Heald, when you're having a fire sale like this, everything's on the table. Uh, do you think the Pacers making these deals, you know, uh, anywhere from three to two days before the deadline – impacts what their overall plans are as they could make more deals involving these players. 
Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think that's sometimes why you do act quickly, right? Do you, a lot of times you have different approaches in front offices. Sometimes it's, Hey, I'm going to take it all the way down to the deadline and kind of, you know, really force people to, you know, pin them in a corner and say, all right, Hey, this is your last chance at getting a uh, Demonis Sabonis. And if you really want them, you know, you better make your offers now uh, versus if you do this now, You could conceivably see any one, now they can't be packaged together because they can't be re-aggregated, but you could see any one of Buddy Heald, Ricky Rubio, Tristan Thompson flipped in another deal where they are sent sent away. I think, uh, you know, other guys who are on the table are Torrey Craig, I think, is somebody that you're looking at. You're, You're basically down to, I think, other than Halberton and Duarte, and then Brogdon, of course, because he can't be traded. I don't think there's anybody who should be feeling you know, overly safe on this Pacers roster. Lance Stevenson, Kiefer Sykes also can't be traded, but I think anybody else, you've got to feel like, all right, there's a chance you know, that they, they may move, move me here because – it's clear that they're they're doing everything that they can to reset. And, and, and I, I'm saying reset versus rebuild because this is not, and I think they've made it very clear, they're not doing the full-scale tear down of, you know, let's go all the way to the bottom on this. But they're getting kind of close. But the good news is you've got some young guys now that you can kind of uh, springboard yourself forward with, which should make this a less painful process than one of those full bottom-out tank type possibilities. Yeah, so I got a two-part question for you here. I, I'm hoping to get some clarity on, from you on this. But uh, number one, with all the moves the Pacers have made, and clearly we know that Turner is still dealing with that injury, um, so to look like you'll you'll see Goga a lot, Isaiah Jackson at the center. Um, just moving forward for this season, do you think the newly acquired Pacers roster, or, or however it's formed now? will still be a bottom team in the Eastern Conference, or do you think there's a chance they could win more games and potentially take themselves out of that top five in the draft uh, lottery selection? And then my second part question is, we see all this salary cap space they could have for next season. Is there any players that you think the Pacers might have their eye on going into free agency next year? Yeah, the, to, the first part is I don't think they will let it happen that they will take themselves out of the mix for a really good draft pick. I think this is very much set up. Now let's see, right? Maybe something changes in the next couple of days, but they are, let me pull it up. So I'm speaking from a place of somewhat intelligence. Yeah. There's seven games out of that play. And that, that's too much. You can't make up that much with, you know, 20, eight-ish games left or so that's that that's not going to happen so I think what you're really looking at here is all right we they're also you know six seven games up on the Pistons and Magic but they're right there with the Thunder and Rockets to get in the mix of for a top you know four seed uh you know here in the lottery for the top four lottery position not seed um with that but I, I think that's probably more or less the goal uh, the, the rest of the way, it'll probably be, hey, let's see what it looks like with a bunch of these kids. Let's plug them in together. Let's see, you know, Halliburton playing with Duarte and uh, let's get Malcolm Brogdon back. Let, let's really see what these things look like. I don't think you're going to get egregious tanking uh, go, going on. I don't think you're going to have a game where like Goga Batadze is the you know starting primary ball handler or any of the nonsense we see late in the season from, from teams that are bad. But I do think 
you know, if all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we're starting to win a few more games than, than we're comfortable with, you may all of a sudden see, hey, it, I think you've got some back spasms, uh, Tyrese Halbert. Why, why don't you sit out for a few games and things like that? And that's kind of just, just the position where they're in because you almost don't want to undo what happened uh, naturally by winning too many games the rest of the way, you know, in a season that's already a lost season. Um, the second question was about free agency, right? Yeah. Yeah, that it it's a really bad free agent class. I mean, really, really bad. Now, one thing that helps the Pacers here is they have done well with the uh, middle of the pack free agents, kind of those mid tier guys. And let's face it, the the top free agents, the Bradley Beals, Zach Levines, they're not going to Indiana anyway. Like we, I think we can feel fairly confident that that's not happening. So I think what what they can do though is. With that, if they can get to the position where they're, let's say, 20 ish million in cap space, that's probably where it'll settle is somewhere in that range. That can go a little bit further for them because then you could split that up among like three or four kind of mid range guys. It's enough that you could, let's say, they really like uh, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, who's one of the better restricted free agents. You could make him an offer sheet. That kind of makes it a little uncomfortable uh, for for the for the uh, Bucks to match. If you really wanted to, you know, chase chase a guy like him, uh, if they really felt like you know we 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 like Halliburton alongside another ball handler, maybe they make a run at Colin Sexton and try to hurt a you know another team within the division or something like that. And then after that, it's, it's those kind of mid tier free agents. You know, they could get in on a guy like Dorian Finney Smith if they wanted to. Um, you know, who's pretty good. I, I don't think Jalen Brunson makes a ton of sense, but if they really wanted to do that, you you could you know make a play for a guy like that. And that's where I think you may see the Pacers do do some work uh, this summer where they've done quite well in the past is is snagging those guys that are mid-tier. The other thing, 20 million in cap space can also be used as 20 million of salary matching in a trade, which is huge. The trade route is typically the Pacers, you know, yep. where their route to go. And I do think that will be the route they use. However, it feels like it was a week ago, but Karis LeVert just got traded by the Pacers, you know, the other day. And it, the Sabonis trade just blew that trade away in terms of, you know, the immediate timing of everybody talking about. It. What did you think in the Pacers' uh, value that they got back? I know it was, you know, it was a first-round pick. It was Rubio's contract, uh, you know, an additional second-round pick, uh, which could be a top 35 pick. And then the Pacers gave a future pick that was Utah's 2027 second round pick. The market doesn't seem to be too crazy out there for guys right now. But did you think the Pacers got good value over there for Levert? I think they did really well in that trade. They took on no long-term salary, which is big. Um, let's see what they do with Rubio. Either just they'll let him expire or they can um, uh, use him in another trade here uh, before the deadline on Thursday. But I think the... Uh, getting two picks that are going to be somewhere in the 20 to 35 ish range. That's huge. I mean, that, that is two really good picks. They'll add that to their pick, which is, you know, probably going to be somewhere in the top five or six. And that is, you know, now, now you're talking about how do we go put pieces and what they've done is they get a little lottery lock. Now you're in range to draft that big man. That's kind of what you don't have 
anymore uh, on the roster as far as a you know super talented young big. And I I, I say that uh, as someone who likes Isaiah Jackson quite a bit. And I think he was, it's unfortunate he got hurt recently because he was just starting to show a little bit of what he can do. Um, but that this draft is got a lot of, you know, fours and fives at the top that look pretty good. And, and now you're in position to maybe get one of those guys and put that with Halliburton and Duarte. And all of a sudden you, you've got a pretty good group that you're building from, from a young place with still a ton of flexibility to go out and get guys. Cause I don't think there's going to be any intention if you're the Indiana Pacers for this to be a, you know, three year down period or anything, you're in kind of year one of it. I know last year was a little messy, but last year was an odd season all around, but you're kind of in year one of, all right, we're, we're starting this tear down here a little where we're, we're really going to reset. We're going to you know rebuild this roster. And I think they could be back within, you know, a season or so if they, you know, really kind of nailed it, this increased flexibility that they have going forward. Yeah, no, the draft is going to be definitely interesting. For the longest time, we've heard a lot of fans talk about Jaden Ivey from Purdue mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a top prospect here. And I wonder how the Pacers feel about him now with Halliburton. If they think those two could play together, I think that'd be intriguing. Uh, just thinking about two athletic guards out there. But um, we can always talk about the draft in a couple of months. But I do, I do want to look, before we get to the deadline here, you brought up some of those potential assets that could be moved like Rubio's expiring, like Buddy Heald, like Warren's expiring. Um, what teams out there do you think would be interested in, in acquiring um, one of those players or one of those uh, expiring contracts? It's a little tougher unless the Pacers really wanted to uh, get involved, which they could do now in a situation of, you know, hey, you've got some some – uh, salary that stretches into next year that you want to get off of, you know, all right, we'll move Rubio 17.8 million. You send us back 20 million, but the guy maybe has 21 million on the books for 22, 23, uh, send us a first round pick and we'll eat that, that extra money uh, for you next year. That that's the kind of thing that they could, you know, maybe get involved with. It's, it's hard to know who really might be looking to make moves like that uh, because the challenge is then you got to find the team that's really trying to set up to have cap space this summer. And unless it's, you know, one of these teams that looks really good and might make a run at, at Bradley Beal or, you know, who the heck knows what's going on with the James Harden situation. But if they really wanted to put themselves in a position to be a player there, um, then maybe you could find the team that needs to, to, to do that. But right now, as it stands today, I think it's probably more likely you would be making a trade where it's, a team might say, you know, hey, we we're capped out anyway, but we kind of like Ricky Rubio. Maybe we'll you know get him now, and then we can re-sign him uh, as a free agent with his bird rights and get him under contract. Or you know, there's there's teams out there that I know he's been out for such a long time now, but there's teams out there that still like T.J. Warren. Maybe you, you you snag him now on the cheap, and then what you do is you you get him uh, there, and then of course Buddy Heald has value because he's a shooter. The, the shooters always have value, and he's he's a little overpaid, but he's not wildly overpaid to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, this is such a horrible contract. He only makes slightly more money than Eric Gordon does, so I think you're in a position with Buddy Heald where it is all right, if you know if Eric Gordon can maybe be going for a first round pick, uh, maybe we could get a good second rounder or two second rounders out of it from a team that you know might be looking to move on from him, and that might be where we see that go. 
Yeah, you know, the one thing I like about Buddy Hill's contract is like this year it's like 21 million, then next year it's like basically 20, and then it lowers down to 18. So it's one of those rare contracts that goes down in value. So, I mean, look, LeBron's had a man crush on Buddy Hill for what feels like <laughs> half the year. So you never know. But uh, I would just say for my last question before we wrap up over here, who are some of the other names that you're hearing that could be on the move? Because it sounds like right now the Pacers have kind of like dominated this trade deadline time, but we still have two days to go. So a lot more names could be on the move. Yeah, we're – I mean – the the bigger names, guys that I don't think now the Pacers will be in play for, but you know Jeremy Grant. There's mm-hmm. still a lot of people expect that there's a good chance he gets moved. Uh, the Kings, despite just making this trade, everybody's kind of wondering because now, all right, what does it look like? You can't really play Rashawn Holmes and Demonis Sabonis together. Uh, so is one of those two going to trade? Then what do you do with Harrison Barnes? You know, could he still be on the block? Uh, well, what what does that look like? The Wizards, it just came out. Bradley Beal is going to miss the rest of the season uh, due to wrist surgery. So then basically everybody's on the block there minus, you know, a couple of their younger uh, guys. So that turns into a, all right, you know, well, what are they going to do? Uh, situation Orlando's got a couple veteran guys like Terrence Ross, uh, Gary Harris, who could, could definitely be traded uh, before the, the deadline. Um, you know, and then we'll see, you know, do the Clippers, you know, they made that big trade with Portland just the other day. Uh, but are they now, all right, well, we've, Got our kind of backup shooting guard moving forward. Do we want to move on from Luke Kennard now? We've kind of uh, restocked our big man rotation. You know, could we, you know, look to trade, you know, kind of that swing forward like Marcus Morris, uh, Josh Hart, who was traded to Portland. There's there's a lot of buzz out there that that might be one where that's just a short term thing. Uh, teams are always looking for wing and guard help, and there's a lot of teams that like Josh Hart. So I think we're still in for a couple very busy days uh, here leading up to Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. It has definitely been a very, you know, active NBA trade deadline, probably one of the more active ones involving some of the bigger players uh, in, in quite some time. But, Keith, uh, people can find you on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA and uh, let everybody know where they can find all your work at. Yeah, you can find my written work. If you like stuff like this, roster stuff, salary cap stuff, you can find my work over at Spot Track. Um, you can also find, uh, if you for any reason want Boston Celtics coverage, uh, Celtics blog is part of SB Nation. Uh, and then you can find uh, daily, Monday through Friday, Trevor Lane and I record NBA front office show. Sometimes it's two times a day. Uh, wow. Right now, we, we, we uh, had to do two shows today because we've got two big trades. Uh, but you can find that over on YouTube or on any uh, podcast players of your choosing. It's called NBA Front Office Show. We have a lot of fun getting in and breaking down transactions and trades and all that sort of stuff. Awesome, Keith. Well, we thank you so much for coming on, and we will uh, have to get you on here maybe in the offseason once all this stuff goes down we see if there's any more trades that happen. But, uh, Keith, always a pleasure having you on. We will talk to you later. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you, Keith. All right, everybody, that wraps it up for another episode of Setting the Pace. If this is your first time listening to the show, um, as you're trying to just get our thoughts on all of this stuff, we want to thank you so much for making it all the way to this part of the podcast, for listening uh, to our thoughts and Keith's thoughts. And hopefully you guys will hit that subscribe button and uh, become longtime listeners because that would always be appreciated moving forward. And uh, we love interacting on social media. So if you have not interacted with the chat on social media, we are always available. But Fachi, uh, where can people find us at on social media? Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. 
can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And if you're excited to see Tyrese Halliburton in a Pacers jersey in the next coming week, say these three words. Let's go Pacers! For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.